Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Here's how this podcast works. Each week we begin with about 7 to 10 minutes on the weekly parsha, hence the name 7-Minute Torah. You'll either hear me, or you'll hear me in conversation with a Jewish thought leader. After that, if you want to stick around, we often continue with a bonus interview where we talk about all things Jewish. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week. We've come to what I think I can safely say are some of my favorite stories in the Torah. I love the Jacob cycle. I love the stories about Jacob, both because he's such an interesting character, and I'll talk more next week about the idea of Jacob as an evolving character, as someone who changes in really significant ways from start to finish, but also because Jacob is in many ways the embodiment of the people of Israel. In fact, that's Jacob's name, or at least it's going to be by next week. He'll be known as Yisrael. So Jacob is us. But before he's us, he's a scared kid who's part of a really dysfunctional family. You may remember that last week, Jacob stole the birthright from his brother Esau. Esau threatened to kill him, and Jacob then hightailed it away as fast as he could. And that's where we pick up the action this week. The parsha begins with the words, Vayetzei Yaakov mi Beersheva, Jacob left Beersheva. This week's parsha is the story of the life that Jacob leads while he's away, which ends up being for 20 years. And it's also, as we'll see, a story that's in some ways about family. So Jacob runs away to the north, to the land where his grandfather Abraham came from. He settles in there to work for his uncle Laban. He meets Laban's daughters, Rachel and Leah. He gets married to both of them. He gets conned and taken advantage of. He ultimately has 13 children, 12 sons and a daughter. And then he makes his way home again. So as this parsha begins, Jacob is leaving his family and his homeland. And as it ends... He's making his way home again. And what happens in the middle is, in many ways, the story of Jacob building a family. There's a section in the middle of this parsha that can really best be described as a birthing contest between Jacob's two wives, the sisters Leah and Rachel. I'll read a couple of verses for you. This is from Genesis chapter 29. It says, Now seeing that Leah was disfavored, because Jacob loved Rachel better, the Eternal One opened her womb, Leah became pregnant and bore a son and named him Reuben. And then it goes on to tell the meaning of the name Reuben, which it does for each of the twelve sons. It says, again she became pregnant and bore him a son, and she named him Levi. Then when Rachel saw that she was not bearing children to Jacob, she came to envy her sister. So Rachel gives her maid Bilhah to Jacob as a concubine. She also becomes pregnant and bears children. Then Leah, not to be bested, gives Jacob her maid, whose name is Zilpah, who also bears more sons. And finally, in verse 22 of chapter 30, it says, Vaiskor Elohim et Rachel, God remembered Rachel, and Rachel also bears a son named Joseph. So in all of this, what's happened is that Jacob and his wives have built a family of so far, 11 sons and one daughter. There will be one more son later. And that family matters to us because it is us. Jacob's sons are considered to be the progenitors of the 12 tribes of Israel. 
The choice to represent these tribes as brothers is just that. It is a choice by the writer of the Torah. The story could have started hundreds of years later with 12 tribes living in the land, but instead it's the story of 12 siblings. I mentioned this last week when we talked about the portrayal of Jacob and Esau as brothers, even though they represent enemy nations who lived on opposite sides of the river from each other. But in this case, what we have is actually the representation of 12 related tribes, 12 groups that were part of the same nation, also being represented as siblings. To our ancient ancestors, this must have been a reminder that despite the fact that the 12 tribes didn't always get along, they were connected to each other. There was rarely perfect peace between the tribes of Israel. Judah didn't tend to get along with the northern tribes. Reuben and Gad on the east bank of the river had their differences with those on the other side. They all had their own interests and their own internal politics. But there was something that held them all together. And the Torah says that that something was being family. That's an idea that I think is still part of Judaism today. Because some things about being Jewish haven't changed all that much. We still, as a people, struggle with each other. We often disagree vehemently. These days, we're not divided into tribes as much as denominations or streams, groups and people who think differently about what it means to be Jewish, who may hold different sets of beliefs, different understandings of the world, even different sets of values. And yet we somehow see ourselves as responsible for each other and responsible to each other. In the Talmud, it says, Kol Yisrael arivim zelazeh. All Israel, all members of the Jewish people, are uh, arivim, responsible for each other. That word arivim actually means two different things in two different languages. In Aramaic, it means responsible. There's this sense of being responsible for each other's well-being and sometimes responsible to each other as members of a people. In Hebrew, the word arivim means mixed. In fact, an everything bagel in Hebrew is called meurav, a mixed bagel. And that would imply that we're all connected with each other or mixed up with one another, despite differences or maybe because of differences. Like any family, we're kind of stuck with each other, for better and for worse. That we may struggle, we may disagree, but this is the family that we have. And I think the implications of that are, are clear. We have a responsibility to engage with fellow Jews, to maintain and strengthen relationships between communities, between denominations and streams. And there's a sense of responsibility for each other. When fellow Jewish communities behave in ways that we find reprehensible, there's a responsibility to speak out against it. And when fellow Jewish communities are in need, we are responsible to help in the ways that we can. Now, this doesn't negate a responsibility to all humanity. Of course, elsewhere in the Torah, it teaches that all human beings are connected to each other, all descended from a single ancestor. Here in the Jacob story, in the story of Israel, we get a lesson about the people of Israel. Ko Yisrael arivim zelazeh, that all members of the people of Israel are responsible and connected and mixed up with one another. And I think that's part of the blessing and the challenge of Jewish life. We are, we're part of this worldwide family, this group of tribes who trace our origins to one another, who have shared traditions, who have shared stories, and who often have wildly different understandings of our shared traditions and stories. And so one of the messages of Torah here 
is that being responsible for each other doesn't always mean agreeing on everything. It means opening our minds to the fact that there could be different approaches to Judaism, different ways of understanding Torah, that there could be a pluralism of ways to think about being Jewish. That's what it means to be a people. It's what it means to be a family. And it's an idea that's been built into Judaism since the very beginning of Judaism. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to 7-Minute Torah. If you enjoyed this program, please leave a review or a comment, and please pass it on to a friend. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week.